0: hey guys how are you happy belated veterans day i myself i had a great time being able to celebrate veterans day with my family we did a really cool observance And I had a great Veterans Day dinner yesterday, so a lot of fun. Um, What I'm most especially proud of is the family all chipped in. My daughter was serving the veterans of Vietnam in World War II, and I tell you what, it was just a really great night. Anyway, it's uh, episode, gosh, I think 44, and the most important thing is that it's part two of my conversation with Jill Winger of the Prairie Homestead. I really had a lot of fun doing this interview, and I wanted to let you folks know that Next week, I will be taking a quick break on my podcast for one week, and I will bring you the next episode during Thanksgiving holiday week. The reason being is because I'll be heading out to Austin, Texas to go interact with a lot of really great veterans and farmers at the National Farmer Veteran Coalition Conference that is going to be held in Austin, Texas. It's a great time to be able to speak with other veterans and what they're doing in farming, be able to get a lot of really great resources. And really the biggest thing is just to be able to network with other individuals who are doing exactly the same thing that we are here on our farm. So enjoy part two of my conversation with Jill Winger, and we will catch you guys in a couple of weeks on another podcast, and it'll be coming to you very, very soon. Talk soon. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Unconventional Wellness Radio. It's a powerful and inspiring podcast set to revolutionize and disrupt healthcare. It's time to put you in the driver's seat and be the force of change necessary for the lifestyle you've always wanted. And Now, if I could shift gears a little bit um, because of the fact that you know, folks that listen to this podcast, what we try to do is, of course, we try to focus on the uh, the five pillars of unconventional wellness. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is kind of transition into over the course of your time growing in the agricultural understanding of homesteading that you guys have, it probably has woke you up to saying, um, since we're moving more traditionally now, and we're doing things with, um, you know, just an understanding of sort of heritage, and, and bringing up our kids that way, and all that kind of stuff. Where did the transition of, now that I'm going to homestead, I want to homestead in such a way that's going to be beneficial and healthy for my family. Do you know whereabouts that started in your homesteading journey?
1: Yeah, let me think. When that Was that the chicken or the egg, which came first? So I think it was after, I think the homestead came first because I remember when we first bought our property or we were in the process of purchasing it, I was actually not only not paying attention to my health, or eating right, or exercising, I was actually belligerent about it. <laughs> I would make fun of people who were, oh, you want organic celery? Okay, whatever. And like, I would make fun of green things and recycling. Um, so I was actually kind of a jerk about
0: it. Sure. Uh,
1: but when I got into the homesteading idea, and I'm like, I want goats and compost piles think, I think what happened next is I started reading blogs. I was reading different natural homemaker blogs because YouTube really wasn't a thing back then. There weren't really podcasts. And so they were talking about, you know, how to cook with different sweeteners and how to, why, you know, why you shouldn't use Crisco and coconut oil and Mm -hmm. all these, you know, butter. And I'm like, mind blown. This is new. And I really started to dig in deep. And I, you know, of course we all started many of us with nourishing traditions, that whole thing, and kind of went on that route. So that came, I'd say almost in tandem with the homesteading vision, maybe a little bit afterwards, but then that, you know, it, it works well together, eating better because you're growing whole foods. So you have to figure out how to cook them and then wanting to clean out, you know, all the toxins in our bath products and our laundry detergent and all that. So it was kind of a domino
0: effect from there. Oh. That's so good. Okay. So then, since we're already na- kind of naturally going off of food and we know that, you know, nutrition is like crucially important and foundational for improving your health, can you tell me, like, how about like three different ways that you guys personally started implementing a different way of not only eating, but also maybe some cooking tips uh, mm-hmm. about how you were able to create, uh, just a an understanding of wellness in your home
1: sure so i'd say with the food realm which is one of my favorite things to talk about um three things we do let me think okay so number one we got rid of the fats bad fats not all the fats sorry let me rephrase that we got rid of the bad fats Mm because there's a lot of good fats so things like margarine crisco and vegetable oils were gone And we replaced them with things like butter, coconut oil, and lard. Like lard is magical. So that was a big one. Um, I stopped buying a lot of canned, unboxed things. So like cream of mushroom soup was out. Uh, Boxes of pudding and jello were out. Uh, Cool Whip was out. And I replaced those with homemade options, which are not as complicated as you might think. And then I think the third thing would be I just started making more of our bread products, whether it's pie crusts or biscuits or things like that from scratch. So I would just use simple ingredients to make those instead of buying the, you know, pop and fresh biscuits or the the refrigerated pie crusts and so on that not only don't taste that great, but they really have a lot of junk in there.
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, we, we, you would probably echo what I'm saying here is that like, you know, you flip those things over and you're paying for convenience. But the problem is, is that a lot of your dollars are going toward preservatives and they have to keep things shelf stable. And so you flip it over and it's got like 20 ingredients where exactly. I'm pretty certain that like your pie crust probably has like what, four or five ingredients, yeah. maybe.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. The preservatives, you know, they have to do it, right? Right like we bash them. Oh, they're so these horrible companies. Well, they're they're trying to make sure their food doesn't spoil. But unfortunately, a lot of those preservatives and things that make it taste better and keep it from spoiling, our bodies don't really love. So it's a catch 22.
0: It really is. Those things that you often flip over and look at on the other side of a, you know, an ingredient package. If you can't pronounce them, your body probably doesn't understand what they even are. And so it just automatically converts those things into fat guys. Um, so mm-hmm. it is like the fat is like the most stable thing that you can have in your body. It's like, if your body doesn't recognize what it is, oh, let me just turn it into fat. Cause we think it's food mm-hmm. and we probably could use it one day, but let's just turn it into fat because that's nice and that's nice and safe. Um, yeah. but okay. So, so moving on then from tradition, cause I want to definitely circle back around and really expand on that whole, uh, heritage cooking concept that you've created. Um, let's move on into like, you know, besides the fact that like not all, not all homesteaders think like, let me just hurry up and we're going to move into like exercise and movement um, being our second pillow that we're going to talk about. But, you know, there is a lot of hard work on a farm. This is true. But is there, it, please help me demystify this myth is that homesteaders are in like incredible shape because they exercise a lot. Would you agree with that? Mm.
1: Yeah, that is, that, that is a myth on on occasion. So um, I found when, and this is kind of tricky with my career, it's kind of a, uh, double edged sword. So back in the day when all I had to do, I had one child and I wasn't homeschooling yet because she was a baby and I didn't have a blog. And so literally all I had to do to occupy myself was run around the yard all day and piddle with the flowers and the vegetables. Um, it was easier for me to be more active, but I actually struggle now, even with all the homestead jobs we have to do. Sometimes I still struggle to be um, as active as I would like to be, um, because we're homeschooling in the morning. And then I find that I end up working at my desk in the afternoon. And so sometimes I still am like, man, it's, you know, 530 in the in the evening, and I have sat all day long, and I need to move my body. Um, so it's for sure yeah, it depends on what you're doing, but homesteading doesn't necessarily give you every single bit of physical activity you need. Sometimes you have to be a little bit creative and adding that in.
0: Okay. So what are like two or three things that you have done in the past or that you're maybe currently doing now that has kept you active physically?
1: Yeah. So we actually, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I don't really talk about it. I don't have a reason to talk about it on online, but we've had, we built a gym in our shop <laughs> um, because especially we have long winters here and they're dark and town is a long ways away. So there would be times, you know, it's snowing outside and I'm not going to go out. There's not a lot of chores to do that I'm going to be spending, you know, four hours out there doing something because it's freezing and it would be dark in the evenings. And I'm like, I've got to move because I'm like feeling antsy and I've been sitting all day. And so we have some treadmill or a treadmill and a few pieces of equipment and some weights. So I'll go do that sometimes. Um, My preference of course is, I'm a very efficient person. I like to do physical activity and get a job done. So if I have a preference, I'm going to pick stacking firewood over running on the treadmill or um, cleaning out a pin that, you know, needs a deep clean with a pitchfork. I'm going to pick that over lifting weights. Um, But sometimes that doesn't always work out with scheduling. So you got to make sure you fill in those gaps.
0: Yeah, totally. And and most of what's really funny is that like, I kind of giggle when I say this, is that like, you know. So many CrossFit moves are literally appropriately fulfilled when you farm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's one CrossFit move in particular. It's called the farmer's carry. And you literally just take a a dumbbell or kettlebells or whatever and you put them next to you and you carry them for a distance. Yes. strike Strike me as if you've never done that before.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) so
0: so guys, get creative. The most important things are, you know, what I've talked about on previous episodes are, you know, your functional movements, I think is what Jill is describing is that Mm -hmm. like it's nice to be able to functionally move, but you know, you do have to still get decent exercise and movement available. Uh, During your day. So you got to get creative. You know, we're not, we we don't have the opportunity, at least I know that I don't, you know, Jill doesn't, Christian doesn't, Jackie doesn't, to go to a gym. We can't spend two, three hours with going to a gym, going to work out and then coming home from the gym and all the other things in between. And so just get creative and, and be able to move on even a farm. You know what I mean? Because you can even still be out of shape if you're a farmer. It's very, very possible. So, um, all right. So let's, let's move on then to stuff. That's going to be a little bit more in what I know is definitely going to be more of your wheelhouse. Let's talk about toxins, right? So like how did, now that you were shaping your food and your movement, You know, when did you start thinking about, like, what am I using in my home to clean it? What am I using to cook with? What am I using to, I mean, just use in in and around our bodies? When did that start happening? If you wouldn't mind, just kind of explain that a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I think that happened once I kind of got in the groove with my food stuff. Then I started to look at, wow, this house, you know, the spray cleaner I'm buying is really crappy ingredients, or this shampoo I'm using is not great. So we started to kind of shift our sights over there. Um, The I guess the good slash bad news back then we were on a super strict budget. So I was forced to be frugal. And I kind of saw it as a challenge. And so thankfully, when you make a lot of your own ingredient, or a lot of your own products, rather, uh, it's cheaper for the most part. So I started experimenting with lots of homemade things, um, you know, I did the whole vinegar, no-poo shampoo stuff. That was not my favorite. <laughs> um, but, no, I did shampoo bars and homemade laundry detergent and homemade face creams and homemade cleaners. And so no, I found that was really, um, really enjoyable. And then I eventually came across essential oils. And so essential oils were a way that I could add a little more uh, pep into some of these recipes. They smelled better. They had a little more cleaning power. And now fast forward to today, I still make a lot of my own cleaners. Um, sometimes I'm just using natural products with essential oils infused into them. And I just go with those. But yeah, that definitely was kind of like food first. And then all the toxin stuff came right after that.
0: Gotcha. And now you're also like you've even taken it one step further. And of course, you're using uh, different types of natural remedies around the, the farm itself, right? Like inside of like mm-hmm. your coops and you do stuff with your animals and all that sort of stuff as well, right?
1: Absolutely. We use essential oils on the animals. I have uh, a fly spray because like fly sprays contain some pretty rough chemicals. And so we do a a essential oil fly spray. And I had a horse who cut her foot a couple weeks ago. So we used melaleuca oil on that. So they definitely have um, gravitated out of the house and into the barnyard and the garden.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and what's funny guys, is that like these sorts of things, like, you know, if you don't know what essential oils are, um, it's really just the, it, to, to kind of give you a very quick five second reason for essential oils is that they're the things that plants make in order to protect themselves. And so we've realized that there is very good therapeutic benefits of using um, these essential oils as well. And so um, I, I would much rather use something that has like just orange essential oil in it than i would to go grab an old school conventional bottle of whatever to clean one of my surfaces in my kitchen that has another 23 ingredients in it i mean that i i have no idea what some of the things that are inside of these products actually are let alone be able to pronounce them and so um it's really nice when it's water vinegar and maybe some essential oil that's orange you know it, it just makes so much of a better difference guys and 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 I don't even want to get into the science of it, but it can be just as convenient not only to use those things, but also it's so much more natural. And it actually does in fact help eradicate a lot of the things that are on these surfaces as well. So um, awesome. Well, what about else with like, you know um, different types of toxins that you've come across with, like, you know, like let's dive more so into like water and like, maybe like what are some of the ways that you're able to protect yourself against like some of these issues with water? Like what about your farm? Like, is there any kind of like, you know, chemicals or anything like that, that you avoid with raising these animals? Like how have you started making swaps for those things as well? And how have you become more of like a holistic natural farmer?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully we have well water. Our water's pretty good. If we lived in town, I would definitely use a Berkey or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have chlorine thankfully in our water. So that's a relief. Um, as far as our animals go, you know, like the fly sprays, that's a big one. I use homemade udder balm on my cows and goats, so we don't have petroleum-based products on them. Um, <clears throat> we do still use some conventional dewormers just because we have a very large herd and we haven't been able to experiment yet with uh, sure.
0: ways sure. to
1: naturally deal with that. That's kind of a process. You have to kind of go with what parasites you have in your area, and you have to do fecals, and so it's kind of a, a process. But, um yeah, we definitely try to keep – we go grass-fed as much as possible. Well, actually, almost 100% with our milk cows and our beef cattle. My, the exception would be every once in a while if a milk cow is getting a little skinny, I'll give her some um, grain. But other than that, it's it's grass-fed. It's simple. Um, I like to give them some kelp out in their mineral feeder and just keep it really easy.
0: And it's actually funny how much more simplified life is, isn't it, Joe? With like yeah. – yeah, it just makes it so much easier. It's like, you know, when I when I deal with so many chemicals, it's like what's going to cross with what and then oh by the way, is this going to cause a side effect that needs to be taken care of with this new chemical, right? Like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like I get too confused. And so when I simplify things, not only am I saving money, but it's also like it makes it easier for me to be able to to focus on what I feel like truly matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all um, of- so how's everybody sleeping in the house because that's obviously important you know we've been talking about all these really wonderful tips and stuff like that to remove uh you know toxins and to be able to eat really good nourishing food like how's everybody sleeping and what are some of your tricks to help people get sound sleep with you having you know a, a family of five uh, how's that all working out for you
1: yeah we do pretty good on sleep i'd say um we the biggest thing for us is we i'm pretty routine driven like i kind of was bored like that. It has to, things have to be on a schedule. So, you know, the kids were pretty religious about they go to bed at the same time, they get up at the same time. And I try to be pretty careful with myself as well. Like, um, there are times I do push my own boundaries of, okay, Jill, you need to turn off the, the TV or the phone or whatever and go to bed. Um, but most of the time, I'm like, no, we're going to bed, you know, getting in bed by 10. We um, have my little shutdown rituals, Um, I found that, of of course, it's always better for my brain to, um, not be on my phone right before bed and read a book instead and not do the screen time. So that definitely helps. I think for me, when I, whenever I find that I am struggling with sleep, it's usually related to not getting enough physical movement. So if I find that I've been like up and, and down in the, in the nighttime and, or I'm tossing and turning the next day, I just really try to get outside, get some fresh air, move my body. Um, and that's the biggest one for me.
0: Do you see what she was just able to do, guys? Do you notice how um, just rolled out of her tongue, rolled off of the tip of her tongue, that she said if if she's feeling like she doesn't get adequate sleep, that maybe she needs to actually focus on movement more. Do you – under? are you – I hope you guys are getting the fact that these are all intertwined and they're all just as important, um, you know, by – By convention, if we only focus on one or two of these pillars, we're not going to be able to understand the whole picture. And so, you know, Jill gets it and Jill realizes she's starting to come into her own and be able to say like, well, if I feel like I'm lacking here, then maybe it's because I'm not focusing on this as well. And so I really Mm -hmm. appreciate you actually saying that, Jill. That I'm actually sure. is, That's actually such a wonderful tip, guys, is that like you got to look at kind of all of them. You know, you have to be a jack of all trades when it comes to this or a Jill of all trades. You got to be <laughs> able to do that. So and then lastly, let's close things out with like, you know, stress and anxiety. I mean, like I can only imagine with trying to homestead and then traveling and doing the things that you do with your business. Um, what are some of the like two or three best ways that you've been able to sort of mitigate that stress and anxiousness and not let it over overcome you?
1: Yeah, so, um, number well, just to go back to our previous point, when I'm tired, everything stresses me out more.
0: Sure, sure. So I
1: found like it'll be later at night and I'll be like having a meltdown. I'm like, this is everything's bad, everything's horrible, it's all falling apart. And then I magically go to bed and it doesn't, all the anxiety just doesn't exist the next morning. So I'm like, sure. oh, that was tired thoughts. So that's a big one. I know when I get burned out, then. I I don't create as well. I don't show up in my businesses as well. I don't show up as good as a mom. So um, rest is really important. We try to take off Sundays. Like, so um, for example, this last Sunday, I did absolutely nothing. Like I literally sat in a pile and I forced myself to sit in a pile, even though I had this urge to like get up and do something. I'm like, Nope, you're going to read a book. You're going to chill. You're going to just do things that relax you. And you know, Monday came around and I was ready to roll. So rest is really important to deal with stress and anxiety. Um, beyond that, I think, and this is like do as I say, not as I do, because people laugh at me who know me well, because I'm not really good at this, like not taking on too much and knowing when to say no. Um, usually when I'm in a rage tantrum and Christians seeing me like freaking out about all the stuff I have to do, it's because I've, I'm trying to please other people. And I'm, I said yes too much in an effort to keep everyone happy. So saying no, keeping things to a minimum. And um, I also hire help. And that's one that I feel like um, a lot of homesteaders are surprised to learn or there's a little sometimes there's a little pushback when I say that. But I hire help in my business, I hire help in my house, and I could not do what I do if I was literally trying to be superwoman because I'm not superwoman and I need a support team. So that really makes a huge difference for me.
0: Yep. I think community, you know, surrounding yourself with both professional and personal community is really, really important. Um, So thank you so much. Joe. I mean, like that was all like good. I hope you guys took notes on all of that stuff, because as you can see, every one of us can put these things into practice. And what's really cool is that like, we're all unique in our approach. And so you got to figure out what works for you. You know, if you are somebody who wants to go and spend three hours at a gym, then by all means do it if that's what makes you happy. So this is just a matter of you got to find out you. And then, like, you've heard that cliche, you do you. And I really think that that's immensely important. And so, um, Jill, I just – I am, like, just overwhelmed. I really appreciate you taking the time and explaining all these things to us. And um, we are just so excited about – Uh, being able to share this information because guys, we're, we may be walking this, but it helps us walk it even better because we're able to share it with others. And, uh, and, and I said, I was going to start, or excuse me, I was going to circle back. So I didn't forget about it, but why don't you tell me a little bit about this movement that you have now with heritage cooking and how you're empowering people on how to be able to start doing that again for themselves. I absolutely love this guy. So Jill, please, please enlighten us.
1: Yes. So it all goes back to when I started to improve our diets and I, I, you know, got rid of the bad fats and I started cooking from scratch and it was this process. And as I got better at it, I had a lot of mistakes, Mm -hmm. a lot of mess ups and a lot of learning curves. But as I got into a groove and I got more comfortable with it. I started to realize how happy it made me. Not just the food tasted good, which it did, made my, ha- my family happy. And we were feeling healthier because we were getting rid of junk in our bodies. But it made me feel so fulfilled to be creating things with my hands. And I started to realize, like, I wasn't the only one. And humans have this intense need to create And a wonderful way to create is in the kitchen, because we got to eat anyway, and there's a lot of benefits to from-scratch foods. You know, it makes us feel connected to our families, it feeds our families healthier food. And so I started this idea, you know, expanding this idea of heritage cooking, because everybody likes to wax poetic about how Grandma cooked, or how Great Aunt Wanda cooked, but then I would hear people talk about it and they're like acting like it was this extinct concept. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Grandma might've had good pie crust, but you can have good pie crust too. So let's stop acting like it's this thing that belongs in a museum. And so the heritage cooking concept is literally just taking these time honored kitchen skills like canning and making your own bread and fermenting foods and teaching modern folks how to do that with their busy schedules, with their modern kitchens, because it's not near as hard as a lot of people think.
0: Now, you um, correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you not created a course that, uh, that surrounds heritage cooking and some of these concepts that you just talked about?
1: Yeah, so we, I launched the cookbook this spring, and we created a course, a video course around it, because I, ha- I knew a lot of people wanted to see the recipes being created or see the techniques, not just read about them. So, yeah, it's called the Heritage Cooking Crash Course, and you can literally watch me make the pie crust, can the vegetables, do the things in the kitchen, and get all the little tips in the process.
0: And if I was excited enough to, like, because I am excited enough, where would I actually go find that at?
1: So you would just go to Heritage cookingclass.com and you can get the scoop on that there.
0: And we'll make sure that we actually put a link, guys, in this podcast. That way you can click on that and go get yourself started with Heritage Cooking because um, I love how you brought up the fact that there is such a wonderful social aspect to it. I mean, it really is a matter of a family or significant others or whatever. Um, one of the diets that I truly love is the Mediterranean diet because the, there's such a focus on the social aspect of food. Um, It's not something that we were intended to eat inside of a cubicle by ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's so much more important for us to be able to share it with those that we love and those that we really appreciate in our lives. And so um, please go check out Jill's Heritage uh, Cooking course because it is definitely something that we really, really need. It meets such a wonderful need that we have. And once again, if you are interested in all of the recipes that Jill has put together uh, regarding all of the different things that she does on her homestead that once again is the prairie homestead cookbook and it is simple recipes for heritage cooking in any kitchen and so please go check that out go to amazon uh, go to her website you can pick up a copy of the book uh, in either one of those places i you're in barnes and noble now too aren't you mm-hmm. isn't yep. this like everywhere the book is easily available everywhere yep anywhere books are sold
1: you should be able to find it
0: there you go. So please go get a copy of that as well. And absolutely, at the very least, uh, as soon as you are done listening to this podcast, go check out her website, theprairiehomestead.com. And you are going to be extraordinarily happy with how beautiful a website it is. And it has all of her musings and all of her blogs from over the years. And uh, and you will be inspired uh, just looking at all of the work that Jill has done. And so, Jill, I don't think i forgot forgotten anything. Did I? I think you
1: did good. No, I think you did good.
0: <laughs> she's my she's my friend folks and so that's why I wanted to make sure that I sing her praises because she absolutely deserves every single one of them. She is such an inspirational person. Her and her family are just so fantastic and we're so grateful to know you guys. And uh, we just we, we wish you nothing but continued success and for you to be able to touch as many lives as you already have through the medium of technology and being able to have them in your home, literally, because of our wonderful methods of smartphones and computers and all this other stuff that we can see you peel the, the, the layers back and be as transparent as you are.
1: Absolutely. Uh, my pleasure. And same to you and Jackie, because you guys are doing some big, fun things, too. So good we're stuff. Tr-
0: we're trying to do what we can. So, you know, uh, like, like, uh, like helps like, so that's what this entire thing is about. So like I said, guys, go check her out. Jill Winger, uh, her and Christian will absolutely inspire you guys. And so Jill, I just, as I started off, I want to finish it the same way. I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your busy schedule to be able to join me on today's podcast. I really, really, really appreciate it.
1: You are so welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: All right, y'all take care. And like I said, go check that stuff out and just stop what you're doing and make sure that you go check out Jill in the Prairie Homestead. So until then, we will catch you again on another episode of Unconventional on this Radio. I'm Frank, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Thank you so much.